The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. Hey, everybody. How are y'all doing? My name is Sean, Sean Clark. Um, I've been working at Snowbird now for 20 years. So I came as a a 21-year-old young guy, um, new believer. Um, I'd been a believer for about a year um, when I I got here. Um, I'm over uh, the grounds here at camp. I also run uh, Snowbird Missions and Outreach. Um, Some of you know that as SMO. Um, where we take students um, out in the community uh, here and teach them to use acts of service as a platform to share the gospel. And so they're a part of the summer program where, you know, the worship services and breakouts and stuff like that. But um, I'm also um, a pastor with a church that we started um, here in Andrews. Um, it's called Red Oak Church. Um, so, yeah, I've been here 20 years. Um, I've learned uh, quite a bit. The Lord's... Um, taken a um uh just um a life where you know before I knew Jesus um I didn't didn't really know what I was going to do what what was going to happen with me um we're talking about addiction today um and for me uh before Christ um that was that was part of my story um I struggled with um what we know to be called addiction, um, uh, alcohol abuse, um, drug abuse, um, and I'm not going to get into the details, but um, that's what my life uh, for a period was wrapped up in, and um, that's what we're going to be looking at, um, our 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 struggle um, with that. Um, I'm going to uh, read out of Ephesians 2. Um, but before we do, before I do, um, I want to pray over our time together and, um, just ask the Lord to, to speak to us today. Lord, um, Father, I just, I want to, I want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. Um, I thank you for what you're doing here this weekend. Father, you've brought so many men from so many different backgrounds to hear about your son Jesus to grow uh, more in depth and knowledge and wisdom and concerning your son and I pray that this time this session uh, we would just continue to do that we would draw from your truth we would open your word and that we would hear from you Father I thank you for what you've done personally in my life you've taken a lost soul and you've rescued me you saved me and I thank you for that and um, pray that you would continue to use my life use all of our lives father for your glory and your honor and may today we just um, just learn more from you and and hear from you and um, Lord I pray for um, for men um, that are sitting in this room they may be caught in that storm right now that struggle where they're enslaved by it may be sex or pornography or drugs alcohol 
I pray for those men. I pray that they would cry out to you for help. That they would cry out to people that they trust that are following Jesus. I pray that they would cry out to them for help. And Lord, you are faithful. If we come to you broken and needy, you will, you will, you will pick us up. You will rescue us. I pray for men that are here that want to be that part of that help to be an instrument in your hands. I pray for those men as well. And um, Lord, may we continue to just strive to be your hands and feet. And um, Lord, we love you and uh, praise you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Ephesians 2, um, and, I, and I share this as, uh, for me, this this part of Ephesians was huge for me um, in coming to know Jesus and understanding um, what Jesus desires for me and for all of us. Um, so I'm going to start in uh, verse 1. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And for me, like, I, I read these verses, and for me, reading through these verses, you know, as, as we're reading, you know, and you were dead in trespasses and sins. And for me, I'm like, yep, that, that was me. In which you once walked, following the course of this world. Again, me, all of us following the prince and the power of the air. And if we know anything about what Paul is saying there, he's talking about Satan. And absolutely, I was following what he was desiring for me. And that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. For me, absolutely. That, that was me. So I raised my hand on all of those. Verse 3, among whom, we, among whom we once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And I say, yeah, I raise my hand on all of that. But we all, that's, that Paul is talking about all of us. And before Jesus, before Jesus saves us, that's all of us. And for me, that, that was me, that, that emptiness, that void. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you know what I'm talking about, that emptiness, that um, lack of joy, lack of true peace. You know what I'm talking about, and that was me. And for years, I self-medicated because I didn't want to feel that. I didn't want to continue to, um, for that to be what I was experiencing during, you know, my everyday life. And so I would use, I would use alcohol. I would use pretty much any prescription drug I could get my hands on so I, I could escape what I was feeling on the inside, that, that emptiness. And so for me, Ephesians 2, that, that absolutely describes me. It describes all of us. But then he goes into, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when I was using, when I was trapped, when I was enslaved, he loved me. And he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God and not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for his good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Thank the Lord he saved me from where I was. He rescued me. But I know that there's some of you guys that have come into this weekend and you don't know Jesus. You don't know him in an intimate way. You have a knowledge of Jesus. But you don't know him. You, your life, your soul has not been rescued. And I pray that that changes this weekend. And so I, w- I wanted to share a little bit about, you know, where, I, where God has brought me from. Um, it, it's crazy to, to, to think about, you know, my son, he's sitting in the back, my oldest son is sitting in the back of the room, and, um, you know, he doesn't know that part, he doesn't know that part of me and who I once was. And even talking to my wife, my wife met me after <clears throat> I had come to know Jesus, and we were talking the other day, um, you know, about what we were going to be talking about today. And, you know, she doesn't even know that part of me. And um, it's just, it's just it's crazy to think about. But I can, I can sit here and tell you, you know, that my struggle with a addiction um, is going to be over forever. But that's not true. And we're going to look at what I'm talking about. Um, because on some level, we all struggle with addiction or we have struggled with addiction or we will struggle with addiction. And a definition, um, that I want to, I want to start off with, um, for addiction, it's the persistent habitual thoughts, words, and actions associated with excessive pleasure seeking which are known by the user to be harmful and physically enslaving, sinful and willful choices to disobey God, whether one acknowledges it or not. And we were created by God. And that that last thing I just read, whether one acknowledges it or not, we all struggle. We're all a mess. And we all need help. Can we agree on that? And for us, our only source of true help is Jesus. He's the only one that can rescue us. Today we are going to look at what God has to say about addiction. And to see addiction and define addiction the way that God does, we have to call it what he calls it. And God calls it idolatry. So, why does the world, and when I say world, I want to I I make myself clear. And Paul, he even referenced the world. The world is 
what we know of on the internet or secular you know society um anything outside of the church the body of christ so the world calls us to do all kinds of things it calls us to look at porn it calls us to abuse alcohol it calls us to go to strip clubs it calls us to cheat on our wives it calls us to be selfish it calls us to only think about me does that make sense and so when i reference the world that's what i'm talking about so why does the world call it something different from god why does the world call it addiction and not idolatry it's simple the world has no savior no rescue no help no hope pastor mark shaw says this the world denies the existence of sin because they have no answer for addiction when it is called sin therefore the world describes the problem as addiction or alcoholism for the person who chooses and that's that's a huge word i want you to think about that chooses it's a a, a willful decision to choose to do something the person who chooses to abuse alcohol furthermore the world primarily views the problem as a biological one meaning that that a person has a disease and becomes physically dependent upon a toxic substance like drugs or alcohol while the problem may manifest itself in the physical realm since drugs, sex, alcohol, cutting, gambling, or other types of addictions have physical consequences, the heart of the problem is rooted in the spiritual. And when I say spiritual, it means the center of who we are, our soul. That's what we talk about. When, we, when I mention heart, that's the, it's not my physical heart, it's my soul. And that's where the problem for addiction or idolatry that's where it starts it's in our heart it's in the center of it's who we are there is no denying that there there are physical consequences to abusing drugs and alcohol but that is not where our problem originates it originates in our heart addiction idolatry it originates in our hearts and i know a lot of you are like me when you hear the word idol you think of statues or monuments. And that's immediately where my mind goes. It's like, oh, those people in India, they worship statues. Or we think in biblical terms, you know, this group of people, they fashioned uh, an idol and they worship. They bow down to it. And that's where our mind goes. And people, but, uh, but idolatry today takes the form of worshiping ourselves. So we become the idol. self we become that idol. We can make idols out of all sorts of things. Drugs, alcohol, sex, porn, money, anger, our job, our family. And when we do this, we go against what we were created to do, and that's to worship God alone. We were, we were made, we were created to worship God and only him. And when we don't, when we don't worship God, we don't fall down and worship Jesus, we don't seek him daily and give him the worship that is due to him, we are going to worship something. 
And that's where idols come in. And just like I said, we may seek to worship our family, which is crazy to think about, but we can make an idol out of our family. We can make an idol out of our job. Sex, porn, money, you name it, we can make an idol out of it. When we're not worshiping God, what we were created to do, we make idols out of something else. When we give our affections, our worship to anything else other than God, we become enslaved to them, and they become our master. This is what God calls idolatry. And what I, what I meant and when I said at the beginning, you know, I struggled with drugs and alcohol earlier in my life, but my struggle with addiction or idolatry, it's not over. The battle that I have to wield against those things, it's not over. It's not over for any of us. And, and we need to realize we were created to worship Christ alone. In the beginning of your addiction and our idolatry, it's fun. It's exciting. And it was for me. I, I, I dove into drugs and alcohol because of what it made me feel like at the beginning. But just like I mentioned, I did it. I made the choice to do it. And then it became my, became my slave master. It mastered me. It owned me. But before you know it, you become consumed by it. It's all you can think about. It gives you temporary happiness and pleasure. But the consequences of going outside of what God desires for us, it's devastating. We lose ourselves. We lose respect. We lose our identity. We lose friends. We lose family. We lose jobs. I want to read out of uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36. He says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I will put within you that I will put within you. I will remove a heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God and I will deliver you from all your uncleanliness and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and I will lay no famine upon you and this is a promise from God. Just like I mentioned for me, he did that in me. He rescued me from myself. He rescued me from idolatry. But that wasn't a one-time deal. He didn't the gospel just didn't rescue me on in April of 1999. The gospel rescues me every day from myself from the battle that is in me and will be within me 
until the day I draw my last breath here on this earth and I'm before Jesus. We will battle. We all struggle. Our hearts are wicked and we all need help. We all need rescue and the only one that can do this is Christ Jesus. I want to go back to something I mentioned earlier about the world calling addiction a disease. And for the world to call addiction a disease, it keeps people in bondage. I want to read something. This is an example I came across. It's a, it's a little um, example of uh, probably something you, you may have heard or maybe even have said or have had said to you. I can't help it. I, che- I just keep going back to the same old friends. They are the only friends I've got, Mom, yelled Jimmy. After admitting he used an illegal drug, I have a compulsive disease that I cannot control. Mom, and this disease is incurable, progressive, and fatal. That's what my addictions counselor has told me. I can't help it, and I will always have it. I will probably always go back to using some kind of drug. Jimmy needs the power of Christ and a genuine heart change. But if he continues to call his problem a disease and himself a victim, he will never take full responsibility. He needs to ask God to forgive him and then allow the Holy Spirit to change and transform him. And we've probably, some of us have said that or have had it said to us or we've, we've heard that. This worldly idea that an addiction is a disease and that there is a compulsion inside of a person struggling with an addiction that they just can't help themselves, and it implies that they are not responsible for what they are doing. This type of thinking keeps people in bondage. So for me to think that way, for any of us to think that way, it keeps us in bondage and allows us to shirk responsibility and keep doing what we're doing and there's no change this type of thinking is faulty and not true if we get caught up in this pattern of life we are the ones that make these early choices with the plan purpose of just having fun or escaping our problems we are responsible for choices and yes our choices can lead lead us to destruction and hopelessness And we need Christ to rescue us from this mindset. There's a lot of counselors out there that will tell you that you will never escape this. And that is just not true. If we believe what I said earlier about how God created us and he created us to worship him and to enjoy him forever, then that's exactly his plan for us to worship him and him alone so for him this kind of thinking is false there's no truth in that and it's a lie from the pit of hell i have a a a friend i grew up with and for 20 years after we graduated from high school this was his mindset everybody he met he would talk about hey you know my name is and i'm an addict That's how he identified himself, how he was identified by other people. Hey, I'm so-and-so, and and I'm an addict. 
That's who he thought he was. That's who he thought he would always be. But in the past few years, the Lord has rescued him from that mindset. And now he says, hey, my name is, and I'm a child of God. And I've been rescued. This is my my past, and it's going to stay there. My future is pursuing Jesus and worshiping Jesus and not myself. You know, for him and for me, my, my addictions were very visible to a lot of people. For me, when I was drunk or high, you knew I was drunk or high. You can go down in Andrews, North Carolina right now, and you can walk down the streets and you'll see people carrying backpacks. You can see people dancing around and acting crazy. And you can say, that person right there is living a lifestyle of addiction. They're either on meth or shooting heroin. But their addiction, their idolatry is very visible. But for some of us, our addiction, our idolatry is not very visible. It's an internal thing. But one of my favorite verses, um, one of my favorite passages of Scripture comes out of Psalm 139. And it talks about how God knows me intimately. He knows everything about me. He formed and shaped me in my mother's womb. So he knows me. And nothing is hidden from him. And some of y'all, you need to hear that this morning or this afternoon. You need to know that there's nothing hidden from God. And your addiction, your idolatry... It's laid bare and naked before him, and you need rescue from that. And there's some of us that have had maybe a lifestyle of addiction where it was drug, ad- drug abuse. And by sheer willpower power and discipline, I've known people that have come out of that lifestyle without pursuing Jesus But I want to make one thing clear about that. We can do a lot of things out of our willpower, can't we? We can discipline our bodies to get in shape. And we can do really cool things. But for for us, if we're not worshiping, like I said before, if we're not worshiping God, we will worship something else. So it may not be that you're, you know, using meth now. And you've willed yourself out of that and you've kind of brushed yourself off and you're, you're doing life again. But we will make an idol out of something else. And that addiction, that idolatry will just shift to something else. But the one thing you can't escape is that emptiness, that void that's inside of you, that, that lack of true joy or hope. Only Jesus can feel that. Only our hearts can be filled by the gospel of Jesus. So how did we get here? What has happened in life to lead us to make these choices? To use and abuse drugs or alcohol or any of these other things we've previously named. Fear of man, just peer pressure. That, that was part of my story. My buddies were doing it, and so I did it. Before I knew it, I was enslaved by it. Insecurities, deep sadness, depression, 
shame, guilt, relationship problems, complaining, unthankfulness, loneliness, unresolved hurt. So how did we get here? How did we reach this point where I'm, I'm in bondage to this thing, this idol? It's in us all. It was passed down to us. This idea of self-worship, it was passed to us in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve. They passed it on to us. These mindsets push us towards making these choices to forget who God created us to be, what he desires for us, and to escape and to seek to worship ourselves and to run. Listen to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, we're going to start in verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to, up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And what Paul just wrote there is very descriptive of an addictive lifestyle, isn't it? And an idolatrous lifestyle. Verse 20, but that is not the way you learn Christ. That is not what you have heard this weekend so far. You've not heard what I just read previously. That's not the way Jesus has called us to walk. And Paul says, but that is not the way you have learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Can my addiction, this idol I have, be broken? Absolutely it can. And we just heard how it can be broken. Verse 22, it says, to put off your old self. To put that behind you, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. For me, that happened in April of 1999. The Lord rescued me out of that pit I was living in out of that cesspool of self-worship I was living in. And he saved me. He rescued me. And for some of you, that's what he desires to do in your life this weekend. And for some of you that are sitting in here because you're concerned for your friends or family members, that's what he desires for them, to put that old self away. For me, it was in April of 1999, but it's an everyday process. I have to forget about that old life and pursue righteousness every day. I mentioned earlier, the gospel, 
not only rescued me in April of 1999, but the gospel rescues me every day of my life. Because I can slide back into that, to that old way of thinking just like that. If I take my eyes and my heart off of Jesus, I will put it right back on me. God desires for us to come to him broken, to cry out to him for help, and by his strength and his pleading to put off the old self and to pursue transformation, to look more like his son Jesus, to build new habits that bring glory and honor to God, to put off harshness and bitterness and to put on gentleness, to put off drunkenness and to put on being filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't have to believe the lie that this is just the way I am or this is just the way it's going to be for me or this is just the way my dad was and so I guess I'm going to be like him. Those are lies. And we can't believe that lie. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Jesus rescues. I can't rescue myself. You can't rescue yourself. I can't rescue my buddy caught in a lifestyle of addiction and idolatry. Though I've tried. I've tried to pull people out, out of my own strength. I've tried to live a life of righteousness for them, but I can't do it. I have to pursue Jesus on personal terms. I can continue to point my buddy that's caught in this lifestyle. I can continue to turn his head and his heart towards Jesus, but only Jesus can rescue him. He alone changes our heart. I know that there are some of you that are dealing with hurt and bitterness. I know that there have been terrible things done and said to men sitting in this room. And for that, I'm deeply sorry for that. I know you've been hurt. People have hurt you. But only Jesus can rescue us. And that hurt and that pain and that bitterness that we feel, we can't escape it. We can't run from it. We can't self-medicate enough to get away from it. Because when we come out of our stupor, whatever we've been worshiping, it's still there. And it still hurts. And it still allows us to take that downward spiral that sin always takes us down. More and more destructive. We take that hurt and that bitterness to Jesus and cry out to him and say, Lord, please help me because I can't help myself. I know you're the only one that can truly rescue me and give me hope and give me peace. We all need help. Every single one of us. Every day. We are all messed up. 
I'm a mess still. I need the gospel every day. I need my heart shaped and molded to look more like Jesus every day. Because when I'm not listening to him, when I'm not focused on him, when my heart is not bent towards worshiping him, I become a jerk. I become selfish. I get foolish in my thinking. And I'm a mess. And I need his help daily. We all need his help. And he has given us his word for instruction. Every day I can hear from my father. Now, I can make that choice to hear from him or to not hear from him. I counsel people all the time that tell me, man, I, I just can't, things aren't going my way. I, I just can't seem to, to get on the right path. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking to the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm praying. And one of the first questions I'll ask them is, well, how much time are you spending in God's word? How much time are you spending studying? And they're like, well, it's just hard for me to understand the Bible. It's hard for me to, you know, be disciplined enough to, to open it up and, and to start reading it. And I don't really understand it. And you know what they just told me? They don't want to hear from God. They don't want to listen to him. They don't want to obey him. We heard from Spencer this morning. It is not that hard to open this up and read and to hear from him. And if we don't understand it, it's very easy to get help, isn't it? We have pastors, we have brothers that would love nothing more than to sit down with us and show us what God is saying. And if we read long enough, I don't care how dumb we are, God will reveal himself through his word. He's promised to do that. So I want to I want to just say this. If you are caught in that bondage today. If you've walked in here because you know you're struggling with addiction. There is help. There's hope. And a huge step in getting that help was coming this weekend. That's huge. For men that are not pursuing Jesus to end up here, that's a God thing. He did that. He got you here. First, you need to cry out to him for help. I know for me, the night I got saved, I was not in a church. I was in my apartment in Raleigh, North Carolina, by myself. And the Lord put me on my knees and I cried out to him and I said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I can't live this way anymore. And I need you to change me. I need help. And you know what? He did it. And he continues to give me that help and that direction and that peace and that hope. So that's your first step this weekend to cry out to him.
But then there's brothers that brought you here this week that love you. Your pastor may even be here with you. And he would love nothing more than to hear that you need help and to be part of that help. But there's also programs, discipleship programs that can help lead you out and lead you towards Jesus out of this lifestyle. And like I said before, there's some of you men that your addiction, your idolatry, it's not that physically visible and you're trying to hide it. Even now, you're trying to block out those thoughts. You also need to cry out for help. You need to seek accountability from one of your brothers or several of your brothers or maybe your wife but there's help there's hope but it's only in Jesus Spencer ended this morning he was talking about he was talking out of Deuteronomy 6 where he talks about you know the Lord he says the greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength and that the end of that passage it talks about basically where is your heart what's your heart pointed towards and we all need that wake-up call I need it this week I was talking to my buddy Blair just a few minutes before I came up here I needed a wake-up call this week where's my heart been where's my mind where are my thoughts been and we need that wake-up call every day. And some of you, that's going to happen specifically this weekend. I'm thankful you guys are here this week, this weekend. I'm thankful for so many churches coming together. I'm thankful for what you're going to take out of this weekend and take back home. And God's going to continue to use it in your life and in your communities. But there is help, and there is hope, and it's only in Jesus. Y'all pray with me. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review. And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.